Servus und herzlich willkommen to another episode of the Barbarian Podcast Works flagship show. This is your Schnitzel and this time I will not be joined by Tom. It's going to be someone fresh uh, doing the podcast with me because this is our first podcast together and I'm really excited for it. Welcome uh, Fergus Tong on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. And uh, as promised, guys, I am back on the podcast uh, for you today. It's early in the morning for me and it's evening time for him. So we had to coordinate this through and through. Uh, Fergus, how are you doing today? And uh, how are things looking on your side of the Atlantic Ocean, I guess? Or I mean, you're two oceans away, I suppose. Yeah. I'm very well, Schnitzel. And I'm happy after a Bayern win last night and excited to talk about Bayern, the Champions League, uh, with you today. That's, uh, of course, yes, uh, the, the Bayern win was very nice and I think it was thoroughly dominant as well, contrary to what some people say, because yes, the scoreline was pretty close. It was 5-3, but I think Bayern dominated and they were fine with giving away those goals at one point because the team played in fifth gear and we played with our second, you know, like our B-list team and we had a heavily rotated 11 and we still managed to get a very convincing win. So I'd say that that was very, very good. Uh, and the fact that Nagelsmann can make so many rotations, change the tactics and still get these wins goes really well for Bayern going forward. Coming to the point of the Champions League, now that Bayern is through to the round of six, uh, to the quarterfinals, uh, pardon me, I believe that it's uh, a good time to talk about the future of Bayern Munich in the competition, right? And so far, we already uh, know uh, three results outside of Bayern Munich, and that is AC Milan have qualified. Chelsea have qualified against Dortmund after Dortmund was horrific. And Club uh, Bruges was knocked out by Benfica, who played really well and uh, put five goals past them. There are four fixtures that need to be decided. Porto Inter, Man City Leipzig, Napoli Eintracht Frankfurt and Real Madrid Liverpool. So on first glance, the results that have already been decided, right? Benfica, Chelsea and uh, Milan. Which of these clubs would you favor Bayern Munich to win against uh, the most? Uh, which of these would you rather prefer to meet at a later stage? And what are your uh, chances or odds of Bayern Munich winning the tie against any of them? I think that Bayern has to be the favorite against all, all three teams. But out of the teams, I actually think Benfica is the hardest tie because they're doing very well under Roger Smith. They've had a very good Champions League record. They've had many clean sheets. They just dismantled Club Bruges. So I think they're the easiest target. And I think Chelsea and AC Milan, regardless of what happens in the next ties um, in the coming week, are probably two of the easiest potential games for Bayern anyway in the Champions League. Because Chelsea, yes, Dortmund lost to them. But Dortmund still were, were in that tie and were robbed by a bad refereeing decision. Chelsea are not doing well in the league. Milan also not doing well in the league. They're quite lethargic. And I think regardless, even if it's Benfica or Chelsea or Milan, Bayern really should be able to have a high chance of winning the game against all these teams. They should be the favourite, the heavy favourite, I would say, against all three uh, sides. What are your thoughts on that? I think your assessment is spot on. And I also believe that uh, Chelsea basically had it easy against Dortmund for the obvious uh, reason that the refereeing decisions went uh, far th in favor of them. But also the fact that Dortmund were complete dog shit. And I'm not actually uh, exaggerating here. I mean, they were shambolic in every sense of the word because 
And I'm really happy that Bayern did not extend Niklas Zula because we really dodged the bullet. He looked so uncomfortable defending in numerous occasions. And I know this because I followed the game very closely. So I was in a Dortmund bar, like a fan club bar, and I just wanted to get the experience. And it was crowded with Dortmund fans, right? And I'm watching the game and they were all cussing the players. And one player they cussed more than the others was Zula, right? And they, one of them uh, asked him to stop eating too much bratwurst and focus on football, right? So it's not a dig at his physical attributes as much as it is on, you know, his awareness on the pitch. He just doesn't seem like the same player that we signed like six, seven years ago. He has uh, less awareness. He's not very good at clearing the ball in nervy situations. And he's certainly not a, the best one, one-on-one defender, right? So I think... I think we did really well with the decision there to not sign him for an extended period of time. And Delict has been amazing, right? I mean, you would say that he is definitely one of the highlights of our game in recent weeks. So in that sense, at least, I think Chelsea had it easy against Dortmund and uh, they will probably get knocked out against any quality opposition because their attack is not good. It's not cohesive. Their defending is really poor and Dortmund could have exploited those gaps if they actually had someone could finish. And overall, I think uh, Chelsea would be a very favorable opponent for Bayern. Benfica, on the other hand, I think are quite tricky because they look reinvigorated this season. You know, They can score goals at will on the counter. And they have one of the fastest formations in terms of overall speed and in terms of overall quickness of ball progression. I think... They can get their ball from defense to attack in a matter of five seconds. And the way they score the goals is also like heavy attacking approaches and their passing is very crisp. And if you judge the results overall, I mean, like it's a 7-1 scoreline. Regardless of the opposition, that's a very, very good scoreline. And the statistics also favor them. They had 20 shots and eight of them were on target. So they're making 40% right of their shots on target. And their boss possession and their passing accuracy is what stood out to me the most. 91% over two legs. That's incredible, right? So, I mean, yes, they are definitely minnows, but I think they'll have a better chance than Chelsea of an upset. That's for sure, at least in my opinion. And finally, AC Milan. So, uh, you've already mentioned, I mean, I don't want to keep rambling about uh, all these clubs. I think I should also... Uh, Try and ask your opinion in terms of the players in AC Milan who you think could you know, change the tie. And the reason I didn't do that for Chelsea is because it doesn't matter who Chelsea has. They would still, you know, <laughs> be an underdog in this sense. And they can buy everyone in the world. Like if, They've already done the Avengers Assemble version of football. And that's only to play in the Conference League next season, right? But it, it, and in and in case of Benfica, you don't you have a really nice team, but maybe you don't have one or two players who can change ties on their own in terms of world class ability. But AC Milan have those players, so I'd be interested to know which players stand out in AC Milan for you because I have some in mind. Well, I think that, as you said, AC Milan really do have those world class players that maybe Chelsea currently lack. Or, um, they will or always Benfica, yeah. despite all the quality <laughs> of the team of Benfica, they also lack. And I think it would be probably Teo Hernandez, 
Rafael Liao, who would pose the most issues for Bayern, because we've seen time and time and again, it's the counter-attacks, it's those fast-paced, it was Mbappe in the first leg, which causes problems for Bayern. So I think that left-hand side, if it is Liao and Hernandez playing, would be the the problem area for Bayern, because it would be up against a Stanisic or a Pavard, or um or a back three or a back four, we don't know, but there would be open spaces and especially with two razor quick players, I think they are the ones who can pose us uh, problems. So Nogglesman, if we did draw Milan, he would have to design a system like the one that nullified Mbappe so well. Um one that cuts off maybe passes to these players or one that really stops them being able to exploit that space because the, the, the those are the type of players that um, danger me as you said like someone like Havertz or something he's not that quick he's I don't feel intimidated by him but for Bayern Liao intimidates me his pace his raw finishing ability Hernandez on the overlap intimidates me getting into that left um, those left spaces but apart from that I don't know that much about Milan so um, I think you might know more yeah no I think uh, your assessment was spot on and also the fact that uh Chelsea, you mentioned Havertz doesn't feel threatening. I, I feel like that applies to pretty much the entire Chelsea team because they, like I, like I mentioned, they spent like seven hundred million on their players this summer and uh, the winter transfer window combined, and they still have a team that looks every bit, you know, beatable by even like I don't know Freiburg or Union Berlin. I would fancy Union Berlin's chances against Chelsea, you know. Obviously not Dortmund because they're serial bottlers in the Champions League. But like Union Berlin and Freiburg can definitely get at least a draw against Chelsea because they have, you know, the same a very similar problem to that of PSG, like too many stars, but you no know, cohesiveness. And I also think the fact that, you know, any none of those players really stands out in any games, like in terms of the passion, the output that they produce on the pitch. It doesn't really seem like they are very, uh, you know, strong toothed or heavy prong. But at the same time, yes, they are threatening. I'll give them that. But we'll have a tougher time. At least I expect uh, Bayern to have a tougher time against a team like AC Milan. And Rafael Leao, for sure. I believe Rafael Leao is even more of a threat than Kylian Mbappe. And hear me out. The reason I say this is not because I'm comparing the players individually, it's because the systems they play in. So PSG heavily relies on long balls to Kylian Mbappe, right? And that dude just runs, runs like crazy. And before you know it, he has a goal-scoring opportunity. That is his entire game. So get the ball. Yes, he's pretty decent at dribbling, but it's more just find himself isolated in attacking positions. Just run, beat your defender and score. With AC Milan, they play more of a sort of Catenazio, uh, you know, Italian version of Tiki Taka style football where they rely a lot on passing and they showed Tottenham how it's done basically in the two games. Yes, they didn't score a lot of goals, but they had way more shots on target. Their passes uh, completed were quite accurate and they also fouled less. So I think AC Milan will expect obviously to have less of the ball against a team like Bayern. But they would definitely do better when they have the ball than many other clubs. And Rafael Leao is a player who doesn't need, you know, a ball in an empty space to just make a run. That dude is very good at one-on-one situations and he's a really good dribbler. 
So you don't know if he's going to cut inside and score from an inverted position or if he's going to stretch the defense and run to the byline and send in a cross. And I think that, you know, question mark, that uncertainty is what gives him the upper hand in those situations. So, like you mentioned, definitely a player is going to make a difference. Other players, Theo Hernandez, fantastic player. Fikayo Tomori has been a fantastic centre-back for them as well. And overall, I just think they're a much more well-rounded team than the other two that I just mentioned. And of course, they have Olivier Giroud. That dude just needs one corner, one cross, and you know he'll somehow get a header in. Like He doesn't need much space. He has a lot of physical power, so... He just makes one diving header and that's it. The game is already done before you know it. So I agree. I agree that uh, AC Milan is definitely more of a threat. And that brings us to the rest of the teams. And now we would also have the job of predicting the outcomes of those fixtures as well as who Bayern might fare better against, right? And we can start with uh, Napoli Eintracht Frankfurt, right? Because I think it's the easiest to get out of the way. I think Napoli is winning this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Napoli have that two, it's two goal advantage, yes. right? Yep, yep. So, I mean, it's two goal advantage. Napoli and they're playing, are playing the second leg at, at home. home. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's over because Napoli have been one of the best teams, um, in Europe easily this season. I know we'll go more into our predictions of, uh, who is the worst team for Bayern to face, but it could be Napoli. Um, yeah, I agree with your assessment. And I think Napoli might, I mean, it might be too much for Eintracht Frankfurt, especially because now they have to go to the, you know, uh, Diego Maradona Stadium to sort of try and get two goals, you know, from, from an away stadium. And that's quite impossible considering Napoli's form as of late. But uh, that being said, yes, I agree with your assessment. And uh, Maybe could you talk about why Napoli is so threatening in terms of what you think about the formation of the players? Because that'll be interesting. I think Kvaradona is very threatening. We yeah. talked about Liao's <laughs> dribbling ability, but um, but he is um, incredible at dribbling. And I think he has that Musiala-esque ability to go both ways in the dribble. Like Liao, he'd be able to cut inside or go left. Also, you have the strike partnership, the power of and pace and finishing ability that Ossiman has. Um, so I think it's really Napoli's strike force, which would be most threatening, but also just their general game plan. They're really quick at moving the ball. They would be really effective on the counter. Yes, they've dominated games in Europe this season, but if Bayern chose to keep more of the ball, I think they'd be really um, threatening on the counter attack. And just going back uh, one second to also why Eintracht Frankfurt, I really believe have no chance in this tie, is because Eintracht Frankfurt under Glasner, they are a solid, they are a defensive team. They are a team who might, um, who might eke out a one goal advantage, a one nil victory. They might get a lucky goal and then be able to defend, be able to be solid, but they're not a type of team that wins by big margins. And especially when the owners is on them to attack at um, in in Naples. I just think that they will they will leave too many players forward in Napoli. As I said, they will be able to hit them on the counter attack. So I'm expecting, in fact, a big goal of victory um, for Napoli, and it should spell worries for Bayern because Napoli's counter attack abilities, I think, is the major worry uh, for Bayern. Yes, uh, I think I agree with that as well, and I also think that. 
uh, like you mentioned, against Bayern, Napoli will not boss possession. They will play on the counter. Absolutely, they will. But they have the potential to do so much when they have the ball. And when I look at their team, I just see so much balance in every position. I cannot see any position on their team and say, oh, but this is weak and we can exploit it. Because they may not have the best at any position, but they have pretty damn world-class players at every single position. And that attack is world-class, definitely. I mean, I think we're underrating some players. We're underrating their bench as well. Like They have players like uh, Lozano, Elmas, uh, Piotr Zielinski, who is always a goal threat. He's always been so good. And... Uh, 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 Simeone as well, you know, Diego Simeone's son, uh, Giovanni Simeone, he's also pretty, pretty good at uh, coming off the bench and scoring goals, as we saw against that famous game against Liverpool, right? So, uh, the, the or rather, as Tom would say, infamous <laughs> 4-0 victory against Liverpool. And uh, that, that just shows you how quickly they can punish you if you give them even the slightest chance. So, I would actually have Napoli in my top two opponents that I would not want to face in the round of uh, in, in the quarterfinals. Simply in terms of the overall quality and how much they can threaten Bayern. Because I think they match up really well. Their speed, their ability on counters, their ruthless efficiency, it matches up really well with Bayern's strategy. And next, uh the tie that has already pretty much been decided, Real Madrid Liverpool, you know, I mean uh, it's the elephant in the room can get it out of the way. I think Real Madrid are always tournament uh, contenders, if not favorites, in any Champions League you know, tournament that they take part in. Despite not having maybe the best of uh, runs, best of squads, they still have, you know, it always turned up a notch in the Champions League and they somehow pull off these wins. So, I mean, your thoughts on that and possibly also what do you think might happen in a potential clash between, uh, between Real and Bayern? Well, uh, you you mentioned that Napoli were um, in your top two. I don't yes. know if Real Madrid are your top one, but uh, they are guess that right. yeah. my <laughs> most feared team because they just have this aura about them. On paper, of course, they're not they're not the best, but th- there's a reason they've won so many Champions Leagues in recent years. There's a reason that, as Thomas Muller was saying the other day, Cristiano Ronaldo was the bane of Bayern Munich in the Champions League in recent years, and Real Madrid. Uh, he should have mentioned the refs, time. so I'm disappointed. You know, the refs are the real bane. But <laughs> that's a discussion that's for another day. You know, I mean, uh, if we could always go back in history and say that if Victor Castile didn't referee that match, we probably would have won it. Because I think the red card was pretty much what started everything. And then you have those two offside goals. I mean, shambolic, but what can we say? It's in the past. But thanks to VAR, you know, hopefully those things won't happen again. So that's always something to keep in mind. But yeah, you're right. And also, actually, even I, I keep saying the words counter-attack, but it's, <laughs> it's again, prudent to mention it because Real yeah. Madrid are the ultimate counter-attacking team with like, uh, that's, that's how they won their Champions League last year. They were dominated in their, in their games versus Man City, in their game versus Liverpool, but, um, Throughout their run in the Champions League, they always had that desire and that heart to come back, that aura that I was talking about in the Champions League. But it was also because 
other teams played dominating styles against them. Madrid often were on the counter-attack. You think back to Vinicius and running the ball through his legs in that Champions League tie, or it was just so many counter-attacking moments. They move so quickly through the pitch. And I think that their midfield, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, they're so fast at transitioning the ball from defense to attack. They have fast physical players uh, like Vin- Vinicius. They have... Um, they have too many. They have Benzema is still very strong yep. um, as a striker, even at 34, 35 years of age. Rodrigo, they just have really quick, strong players, but who are also technically excellent. Vinicius has to be one of the best players uh, in the world. So I think that it just, it it's a, it's a matchup of styles. Maybe Real Madrid aren't the best team on the list. But they are probably the most difficult team for, for Bayern to play. Like you could say Man City is a better team than Madrid, but I think Bayern's style matches up against, well, against uh, someone like City, someone that Bayern could have lots of open space to attack against. I think Madrid's yes. defense will be resolute and tight. But because their ball playing abilities, Alaba, for example, from center back also are able to spur those counter attacks on, that's what makes them uh, such a dangerous opponent, I think. 100%, yes. I think I agree with pretty much everything you said. And also, it's it might surprise many of our uh, listeners that uh, I did not include, neither of us rather included, uh, Manchester City in our top two most feared teams in the competition. And I think there is a fair reason for that, despite it not seeming you know very sensible at first glance, because yes, they have RB Leipzig and they have drawn with them and it's only a matter of uh, formality, I believe, you know, to win at home because I think Man City are heavy favorites to take the style away. But firstly, I don't think it's all given because I think Leipzig could still pull off. You know, I'm I'm treading with caution here, but I think they could pull off an upset because oh yeah, you want you have something to say? Yeah, yes. okay. My yes. hot take is that Leipzig versus City is a fifty fifty matchup. Yes. And- yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> I was the- I was on very similar I'm not line, saying Leipzig's gonna win, but I'm saying yep, that's yep. Because of the opposing play styles, Leipzig play high-intensity football. They'll press City, where City have been shown to be vulnerable in recent times. City are good when they can dominate, but Leipzig is like a similar style to the Liverpool teams, which dominated City in recent years. So exactly. I, I actually yes. believe that they, they have a very strong chance. Timo Werner on the counter-attack, probably fluffing his lines, but he might get chances um, to score. So we'll see about that. I game. think... I think... Timo Werner at RB Leipzig is back to his Leipzig best. And the reason is because he fits the team so well. At Chelsea, it didn't work out simply because they ruined his qualities by playing him next to Lukaku, right, for most of his time at Chelsea. And they tried to use him as sort of a complete out-and-out winger, which is not his role. He thrives best when he has an attacker who can take some space off him and let him make in runs from behind. And he's very good at counter-attacks. And Chelsea is not good at either. And they play with a back three. And that is completely different to the philosophy that Leipzig have. So he is made to fit like a glove for RB Leipzig. But for Chelsea, he simply didn't work out because, one, the system was bad. And second, I think he worked really hard, you know, to get into those uh, quality positions. But I think it was also uh, partly to do with confidence as well which looks reinvigorated as uh, RB Leipzig this season. And the game against Gladbach, he scored a screamer of a goal. It was incredible. And I firmly believe that 
this team, yes, they did score three against Gladbach. And you can argue that Gladbach are a team that only has two good games against Bayern every season and they fizzle out, which is pretty fair, actually, because the very next game, the one after Bayern, they got spanked by Mainz, right, 4-0. So you have those games that um, really confuse you in terms of Gladbach's uh, quality and how they really managed to bottle it so badly when they can dominate a team like Bayern. But then you also have RB Leipzig, who need just one or two chances and they're up 2-0 against you. And this is exemplified by, for example, I would like to take your you know, memories back to the season where Leipzig knocked Atletico out of the Champions League. And they also knocked uh, Manchester United out You know, with that great uh, historic second half uh, group stage performance against Man United to send them to the Europa League. So... They're very threatening on the counter. They match excellently with Man City's play style. And I think they have a lot of quality as well, a lot of speed. So they can really test City. So I don't think it's too hard of a take that Leipzig have a good chance. Because to think about it, they did manage to get a draw. And all they need is one goal. And then 80 minutes of just defending, you know, put five men on Haaland for all I care. Just make sure that he doesn't get into the box. And you might actually fancy them, you know? So that's exactly why Manchester City is not very threatening, in my opinion, at least compared to the other two teams, because I'm not sure if uh, I can I can really say this. Uh, of course, no disrespect to Pep Guardiola, but Manchester City are way more predictable. Does that make sense? Like, you know what their game plan is going to be, and you know that they're going to try and dominate possession. But I still believe that Bayern will have more of the ball against Man City. Man City might just edge it in terms of, you know, possession, but I don't think they might have useful possession. I think most of their possession is just passing, uh, passing around the back line, you know, in that U formation and try and prod the midfield, the defense. But considering Bayern's defense has been fantastic in recent weeks, and if they play Haaland, their game plan is just to serve in the ball or try try and get the ball to Phil Foden. I think they can be stopped given the form of our defense in recent weeks. Like I think man for man, if you mark the attackers of Manchester City, they will they will their their plan will collapse. And another important point I tried to make uh earlier, which I think I would also like to hear your thoughts on, is Nagelsmann's tactical flexibility. You know, it fits in really well with uh, both the Champions League and the DFP Pokal prospects because the team can adapt from a back three to a back four in the blink of an eye. And they also have this ability to sort of switch tactics mid-game, which I haven't seen for a very long time, this level of tactical flexibility. So I'd like to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, so I I appreciate the tactical um, flexibility. And one interesting thing Nagelsmann does also is he caters his tactics to different opponents to yes. the opponent's formation to the strengths of the opponents like a few weeks ago we knew nothing about this 3-1-4-2 formation that we've been rocking recently it was it seemed to be designed specifically for PSG or specifically for the new players that we had um, fit and ready but now uh, now it's been amazing for us and it seems to have so much balance for us but the ability to switch the, to that back four, which might provide more defensive stability also um, is really in, intriguing. But I would say that it's also a double-edged sword. So on the one hand, we like the flexibility. But on the other hand, I worry that 
Nagelsmann tends to maybe overthink things. So last season, we also had f- tactical flexibility, but when it came down to it, when it came down to that crucial uh, matchup versus Villarreal, we used one of the many formations that we'd been trialing that season, and it didn't quite work out in terms of the stability. But that said, on the other hand, this 3-1-4-2 actually does have much more balance than anything I've seen in Nagelsmann's reign. The last few weeks have been probably the weeks that have convinced me the most that Nagelsmann is the right coach um, for, for Bayern, in my opinion, because it does have defensive balance, but also it lets all of our attacking players shine. It lets so many of our attacking players play in one lineup and is very effective going forwards. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think uh, I agree with the fact that tactical flexibility is great. And in terms of maybe it uh, being a potential problem in terms of Nagelsmann overthinking things, you know, I think in last season's real tie, Nagelsmann still fielded pretty much what was the expected starting eleven. But I think the players didn't exactly fit his system. I think Nagelsmann plays much better with the current crop of players than with the players he had back then. And Lewandowski in that game was marked out and that uh, proved to be a real problem, right? And uh, he had a lot of other problems, like Hernandez being injured, right, right before uh, Villarreal's code. And Davies was battling injury problems. Goretzka was not at full fitness, multiple uh, injury issues. And not just that, yes, the squad depth was a major issue, but also the fact that Nagelsmann's system can be implemented much better with this crop of players, simply because I believe Nagelsmann's football is one of the most modern, you know, footballing uh uh, I guess, I guess, teams, I guess, approaches in terms of tactical flexibility and also fluidity in football. Any of the players can interchange positions with any other player, and it would still fit, you know. And that is what makes it so special. The players keep running into each other's channels, and that confuses opponents. So you don't know Bayern's next move. Before it used to be quite easy to anticipate because you just have these passes forward and then it's just passing along the back line. Now anyone can pass to anyone. And everyone, I noticed, runs out of their positions to receive the ball and then release the ball for the next player, which is fantastic because Sadio Mane can take Gnabry's position. Gnabry can take Muller's position. Muller can move to the wings and send an across, drift through the lines on the half spaces. Muziela can play as a winger or an attacking midfielder. You have Yuzo Kimmich, who can be an additional centre-back at times, a defensive midfielder, and more of an attack-minded, deep-lying playmaker at times. You have Leon Goretzka, who can make in those runs from deep, but also be a defensive midfielder. You know, all these players just having multiple qualities meshing together so beautifully. It just caters both so well for Bayern's future in terms of a very tactically flexible, fluid Bayern. So I think Nagelsmann's onto something special here, honestly. And I'm really excited to see how Bayern fares in the rest of the competitions because this is a very different team from last year. That I can tell you. And finally, the last fixture uh, before we round up this tie is one where I think Inter Milan's going to win against Porto. But I would like to have your thoughts on that as well and maybe what you think is going to happen. Yes, I I agree. Milan have the 1-0 advantage and they probably will win. But... To be honest, the team this the team who wins this tie is probably the weakest draw. I agree. Um, yes. Yeah. For for Bayern because Inter Milan, we we already played them in the in the group stages and Very they true. are worse. 
than Bayern in every aspect. They are slower, they are less <laughs> cohesive, they're less physical. They're worse in every aspect. It's yep. a fact. And they were just so uninspiring. They created nothing in those matches versus Bayern. They easily got beat. I think was it two nil, three nil. Yep. I don't remember. But it was it was so unmemorable the performances from them. So I think <laughs> that we'll really yeah. I think we really will um easily get past them. But I just want to mention uh one thing. Um just in general, even though Inter Milan are probably the easiest tie, and then maybe AC Milan, then Chelsea, the tie I want is Man City. Bayern deserve that tie versus Man City that we've been longing for since Hansi Flick, Flick took over. Probably the two best teams in the world during that period. It should be all out attacking warfare. Um, so I, that's the tie I want. Yeah, that's very nice to hear, but I think that'll be a bit too early in this stage of the competition. I would much rather have, you know, Chelsea or... Uh, I mean, my favourite tie would be Chelsea, actually, because they are not good enough to knock us out, but they're still good enough to really test us. And I I think that uh, having a very sort of... Having a challenging path to the Champions League finals and, you know, to to winning the entire competition looks very good for the team. Like, I think... The treble run had a very challenging path to the uh, you know finals. We had Chelsea, Barcelona, Tottenham as well in there, and we also had to face Lyon and PSG. So that is a very strong lineup, and we managed to beat, wipe all of them clean, right? And managed to get clean sheets in so many of those games. And if we have a sort of a similar lineup, you know, in terms of them facing Chelsea now and potentially maybe Real Madrid in the semifinals and something like Manchester City in the finals. That would be crazy, but also something that I would fancy buying against because uh, I would rather we keep the bigger ties towards the you know rare end of the competition as opposed to facing them earlier because, yes, it's always great to beat them early, but there's also the chance that you know we get knocked out early so i'd rather we go as far as possible if that makes sense yeah <laughs> and we could also use the money that we get from progressing to the semifinals i guess so but yeah i mean uh good assessment and uh, i believe that manchester city would also be a pretty attractive tie as opposed to facing real madrid now which i wouldn't want in all honesty thank you so much for your thoughts fergus and uh i guess uh you know in terms of well, overall uh, opinion, I I think we can agree that Bayern Munich are heavy favorites, regardless of who they face in the latter stages of the competition, because right now they're looking unstoppable. Yeah. And uh, on that happy note, uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, feel free to like, rate, share, and subscribe to us on any and all podcasting platforms of your choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, wherever you get your quality of podcasting content. Make sure to keep the feedback and the love coming and check out our articles on Bavarian Football Works and our Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. Make sure to also send in your comments, your feedback in the articles, in Twitter and wherever possible and in whichever language because we have our insight interpreters to do the interpreting for us, the translating for us, and we can get back to you with our you know thoughts as well. And we would always uh, love suggestions from you for our future podcasts. We would like to incorporate topics that the fans would like to have discussed as well. And uh, well, I think we've covered all bases. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you, Ferg, for joining. It was a pleasure hosting you. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen, guys.